Welcome to JFK and the Enduring Secret. I'm your host, Jeff Crudell. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is episode 76. It's the final full-length episode containing Gerald Custer's testimony to the Assassination Records Review Board, or ARRB, which occurred in 1997. We're getting to the end of a long wander. As I explained to you in episode 75, if you wish to skip this episode and simply hear my synopsis, then go directly to episode 77. I suspect, though, if you've listened already to all the rest of the episodes prior to this, you might want to stick around for the finale and hear from Custer himself. So, without further ado, let's listen to episode 76 of JFK, The Enduring Secret. Fixer basic job is to stop the film from developing. And it fixes the image. After it fixes the image, it goes through a wash bath. Evidently, it didn't stay in the wash bath long enough because you still have marks, fixer marks. And that was due to the old PECO units. They weren't efficient. I'd like to point out to you edge markings and ask you whether you were able to identify any information on the edge markings. Huh? Go next, safety. I didn't hear you, sir. Kodak safety. Thank you. Does that help you identify the type of film that you're holding? Yes, it does. Is there any reason that Kodak safety is appearing on? X-ray number nine, but we have not seen it on other X-rays. The only possible thing I can think of is they just placed it on the fourteen centimeters. So the size of the film, correct? The fourteen by seventeen is a larger film, such as the one you're looking at. Absolutely correct. Could we now look at X-ray number ten, please? Are you able to identify X-ray 10? Yes, sir. What is that? That's the right portion of the body. And this was taken on the night of November 22nd, is that yes, correct? Sir. Is there any question in your mind whether that's an authentic X-ray that you took on the night of the 22nd? No question. Could we now look at X-ray number 11, please? Mr. Custer, are you able to identify X-ray 11? Yes, sir. And how is it that you're able to identify it? This is an additional film that I took on the abdomen. I notice there is no there is no marker of the sort that appeared on many no, of the others. Because this was a so-called repeat 
what you mean by that? Well, we'd like to have another film just to see uh, if what we see is still there. Still there. If there were metal fragments that were present in the abdomen of President Kennedy, would the appearance of the fragment be more likely after the organs are removed rather than before the removal of the organs? No, because the metal fragments will be cut by the organs. If the purpose of the x-rays was to locate bullets or fragments, why would x-rays need to be taken both before and after the removal of the internal organs? You must remember the confusion at that time and that night. People were ordering this, and oh, said, we should take some more there, we should take some more of that. It wasn't just one person doing it. And I'm just a geek for what I'm told to do, I do it. Can we look at x-ray number 11, please? This is the one. Excuse me, number 12. Here we go, this is lower extremities. Up, wrong way. Are you able to identify x-ray number 12 as having been taken by you on the night of the 22nd? Yes, sir. And how is it that you're able to identify it? Marker, yes. Naval Hospital, National Medical Center, left side. For the left femur, knee, you can see the contortion of the body. Here's the patella. Everything's set pretty anatomical. This knee is turned off to the side. It's externally rotated. Same thing on joint space. See the perfect joint space here? You don't. On the anatomical left. On the anatomical left. We look at X-ray number thirteen. Are you able to identify the X-ray? Yes, sir. Can you tell us what it is, please? It's AP pelvis and. Was that taken on the night of November twenty-second? Yes, sir. And let me bring something to your attention right away. Monogram time. Yeah. You're referring to a, a round, circular... Uh, this is what Dr. Ebersol stated in his testimony as a BB from a shotgun. Round, circular, I'm sorry for interrupting you. And you're saying that he, Dr. Ebersol was incorrect in that? No, I didn't say that. I just said that he described this in his testimony. And is it your opinion that he was incorrect? No, I didn't say that, too. I just said that he stated this was something, and I say it's done. All right. We look at the last x-ray, number 14, which is identified as the AP view of lower pelvis, hips, and upper femurs. Are you able to identify that as having been taken on the night of November 22nd? Yes, sir. More picture burns. Those are the brown patches. Brown patches. Fecal material in the colon. 
Bond patching marks again. No bond or no metal fragments. Okay, that consists of all of the X-rays that are present in the archives on the night of the 14th. Now you had raised previously in the deposition, have a chair if you wish. Previously in the deposition, possibility of some metal fragments in the C3, C4 range. I noticed I didn't see them. You didn't see any X-rays that would be in that would include the C3, C4 area. No, sir. Are you certain that you took X-rays that included the C3 and C4? Yes, sir. Absolutely. How many X-rays did you take that would have included that? Just one. And that was all that was necessary. Because it showed right there. And what, as best you recall, did it show? A fragmentation of a shell in and around that circular exit, that area. Let me rephrase that. I don't want to say exit because I don't know what was exit or entrance. But all I can say, there was polar fragmentations around that area, that opening. Around C3, C4? Right. And do you recall how many fragments there were? Mm, not really. There was enough. It was very prevalent. Did anyone make any observations about metal fragments in the C3, C4? I did, and I was told that. My own business. That's why I was shut down again. You have, during the course of this deposition, identified three x-rays that you are quite certain that you took that don't appear in this collection. Are there any others that you can identify not being included? That's the only three that come to my mind right now, the two tangential views and the AP cervical spine. Uh, can I add something to that? Sure. In my own opinion, I do believe basically the reason why they were not here is because they showed massive amounts of bone fragments. Did you ever hear of anyone connected with the autopsy making any attempts to remove, destroy any of the X-ray material? Let me put it this way. Gossip is cheap. Everybody has some. I heard some, and sometimes you have to take it with the hell of beans, where it comes from. But I did hear that in a, in a conversation. When did you hear it in a conversation? The next day. What did you hear? that certain pertinent things were taken care of. Who told you that? I was afraid you were going to ask that. <laughs> Nobody told me. I heard it between two officers, high-ranking officers. Who were the officers? One was Ebersol. And one was another radiologist that right now his name just doesn't can't come to my memory. 
the best of your recollection, who was it who made the statement, you were sold or the other doctor? Ibersol. And to the best of your recollection, what did Ibersol say? Just what I understand. Are you acquainted with the name of Dr. Roy Brown? Yes, I am. Uh, who's Roy Brown? He was the captain in charge of uh, Ray Hogan. Is he the other officer whom you heard speaking with Dr. Ebersol? Yes, he was. Did you hear a discussion about disposition of any other autopsy material in addition mm-hmm. to x-rays? No, I didn't. So, for example, they did not talk about autopsy photographs. No, I didn't. And the funny part about it was this was on I just happened to be walking down the hall behind them and the conversation was going on. And I was noticed and everything shut down. I don't like to point fingers. Gossip is cheap. I don't know. Were they being truthful or what they were saying? This is just hearsay. And you know hearsay is not admissible in a court. It is admissible in deposition. I understand. Okay, can we now look at some of the autopsy photographs? We won't look at them all. I'd like to just show up to a few of them. Could we look at the second view, which would be color photographs numbers 26, 27, or 28, any of those three? Is that a negative? Is that a regular positive color transparency?
We look at view number three now, which it corresponds to colors numbers 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, and 37. Color, um, color images, view three. Mr. Custer, you're now looking at photograph number 33. Mm -hmm. I'd like to ask you whether that corresponds to what you observed on the night of the autopsy. Yes, it does. Is there any question in your mind about the authenticity of that photo? Uh, Not really. The See, the thing is, you're, you're stepping in a realm here where I didn't really get involved much. But from what I saw of the body, it appears to be similar. What I saw. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Can we now look at view number six? Corresponding? Hold, on, hold on one second. Sure. Let me put this in the record. Do you notice the apparatus is holding the head? See, yes, okay. metal, metal. It's right. like a metal half moon. When I took my x-rays, that wasn't there. Does that help you identify whether you took the x-rays before or after the photographs? Yes. And how, what would the answer be? Well, this didn't have to be, this wasn't there. So the metal. The metal. So that meant I had to take some of them before. Had to, because the only time they put that in there is when they start probing. Why wouldn't it be possible for... Uh, them to have taken that off, uh, and then you come down and take the x-ray. That's possible, too. I'm just guessing. Okay, so maybe, maybe I shouldn't guess. So it, it's not really possible to tell by the photograph no. whether the x-ray is taken before that. No. Okay. And just because you were speaking over the top of me to make sure the record's clear, let me try asking the question again. I'll entirely. Is it... Is it possible, and I'll ask a different question, is it possible for you to determine, based upon this photograph alone, whether the x-rays of the cranium were taken before or after the photographs? No, sir. It's not possible. Okay. Mr. Custer, in the photograph there was a picture of it. There was a, a towel was included. Do you remember seeing a towel of that sort? Mm-hmm. Okay. There was, you did see a towel on the night of the autopsy that would correspond to what's shown in that photograph? Not at that time, I did. When I took the x-rays, there was no towel. Was there anything there at the time that you took the x-rays? Just a sheet over the, uh, the, uh, metal. Okay. Over that area, where the skull was. I liked any... Okay, could we take a look at the sixth view corresponding to colors photograph 42 and 43, which is identified in the record as wound of entrance in right posterior occipital region? 
Mr. Custer, does that photograph correspond to what you observed on the night of the autopsy? Truthfully and honestly, I cannot remember seeing that. Is that because you didn't have that view or it does not appear the way that it appeared to you on the night of the autopsy? Because it did not appear to me the way it appeared. In what respect is that photograph different from what you recall? I did not see the back of the skull or the lower occipital region during the time I took the effort. Does that mean you didn't have a chance to observe that angle or that the bone was not there? I didn't have a chance to observe that angle because the, the hand was not picked up like that. Okay. Where I could see behind it. All I lifted was enough types of cassette underneath. So for practical purposes, you have you had insufficient opportunity to view to either authenticate or not authenticate this photograph. Would that be correct? That's correct. The only, let me add something to this. The only thing that could authenticate is this flap on the right anterior portion of the skull. That looks as if it's over the top of the ear? Right, correct. And you remember that flap being there? Oh, absolutely. Here's another thing I want to add, too. Whenever you have right trauma on a skull, you have blood and spinal fluid will come out of the right ear. Vice versa if you have left trauma, yellow. Okay. Okay, could we look at the fourth view? I'm not going exactly in numerical order, either Colors photos number 38 or 39, identified as posterior view of wound of entrance of missile high in shoulder. Mr. Custer, during the deposition, you said that you had, I, you had been able to see a wound that was on the back of President Kennedy. Does this photograph correspond to what you were able to view? Yes, sir, it is. And can you identify where on the photograph the wound was? It would be on the right scapular region. And that's the larger marking that's uh, just to the right of the ruler. Correct. Correct. It's our understanding that the House Select Committee on Assassination did some, did some enhancements of the original x-rays. And we'd like to show you the enhancement. Have you ever previously seen the enhancements of the x-rays? No. Uh, what is your comment on on observing the enhancement. And what what we're seeing is the AP. AP, well, I would say modified water is AP modified water. Here's the 
fragment again. You're referring to the large semicircular fragment. Right. Left marker. Right orbit. Fragments throughout. All I can say is, it's funny how the burn mark gets in the right place. And that's pretty close to what I, my own opinion, I believe, was an entry one. Are you able to identify now any brain shadows? Very little, if any. Because you're looking at bone shadow here. Bone shadow here. You're right. referring to the anatomical left. Left portion of the skull. Air on the right anatomical maxillary sinus. Fracture marks throughout the sagomatic arch, mandibular arch. The left anterior portion of the skull, the superior portion of the skull, fracture marks. Here's that irregular cut mark, what it looks like compares to me. Snaking fracture marks off to the left anatomical positioning. Ask me a question. How come there's bullet fragments in here and you can't say you can see them? Why there are they? They they appear to be more apparent in the AP than in the lateral. You know why there's bullet fragments there? If you look at the big portion of the scalp, fragments are in the skin of the scalp. That's the only logical place they could be. They went through the brain, exploded, and went out into the scalp, perforated the scalp, impregnated the scalp. When you have a fragmented bullet, it it blows, pushes everything out. When it pushes everything out, it's like somebody putting salt and pepper on your on your steak. It impregnates the steak. Same thing with the the scalp. Because there is no brain tissue here. You can't see it. You can't determine it here because of the skull. The bony skull. You can determine... I'd love to see the lateral portion. If they enhance that. Uh, That in itself will be able to sell. And? Looking for the lateral... Lateral. There's the effect again. 
See the bottom? There's the fragment. You're referring to the right, right. above the sinus? Right. Orbital. No, no. The frontal sinus, but it's still orbital ridge. It hits fragments, it goes out. That's why this portion of the skull is out. This is out. Here's the solitary cicada again. If there are fragments, there's very minute portions. The only reason why this isn't dark is because this is an enhancement. But you don't see any vascular markings in here. Why? On a normal brain, you see them in the skull. Your brain has veins. It shows up. It has density. Blood has density. So, at the time the x-rays were taken, the brain had been removed from the cranium. Okay. Uh, on the AP view, there was the very large fragment that was semicircular. Are you able to identify the location of that? The only thing I can say is break there. Could you uh, identify where that is anatomically? It's anterior to the sphenoid bone, which is Here's the salaturcica. I would say it's anterior. No, superior. I can't say it's anterior. This is principally superior to the superior to the salaturcica. You can't. The only way you can go on like graph that, and, and right. You have to take like I explained. I have to explain to you. There's only one way you can find out the depth of a bullet. It's by taking a special study. It's called tomography. Linear tomography or transpiral tomography. Linear tomography is when they take different fulcrum spots, x-rays, and where the x-rays power source will rotate from a longitudinal plane. Uh, a transpiral, which is brand new now, it's a new technology, it spirals and you change the fulcrum and you get length. By that location that you have here on that fulcrum, you just see it, then it starts to disappear, then it totally disappears. And that way you can tell. This is a different projection. You're looking, you're looking dead on, sideways. If you turn it this way, you're looking in an AT, AP projection. You're seeing the whole fragment. Okay. You remember I brought this up on the darker one? I said you can just start to see a faint image. And it brought it out on the enhancement.
this opens the door, literally. I showed you the entrance wall. There. The actual one has to be up here somewhere. If you turn this like that, what's that time? offered by Dr. Ebersol to the House Select Committee on Assassination. For the review board records, this is, this is marked as exhibit number MD60. The testimony was given on March 11, 1978. Mr. Custer has brought with him today his own annotated version of Mr. or Dr. Ebersol's testimony. And what I'd like you to do, if you would, Mr. Custer, is to look through the testimony and any important things that you have specific knowledge of yourself that you would like to either confirm what Dr. Ebersol said or dispute what Dr. Ebersol said, I would appreciate it. I would like you to identify the page number and line number. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Page two, line 23, and 24 and 25. And, well, that's good. He states that he was acting chief radiologist at the National Naval Medical Center in Bethesda. Baloney. He was a radiologist on call. There was a lot more people higher ranking than him that were staff radiologists. They all took call. He was a resident radiologist studying for his board certification, which he did not receive till the end of that year. That's one thing that I had a problem with. On page three, that was the same thing. Uh, I agreed with him on uh, line two, page three, where the commanding officer called him about 6.30, and I was notified thereafter about the incoming And <laughs> this is what is, is fantastic. Where he states, uh, okay, uh, page three, lines seven and eight. He personally carried the cassettes containing the x-rays to the x-ray department, which was on the fourth floor. Baloney. Dr. Eberstall never left the morgue. Reed and I personally carried the x-rays. There's pictorial evidence of that that you have. You're referring to the photographs that we marked as exhibits. Correct. correct. Absolutely correct. All right. Page 3, the bottom half, 23. Where he again says, I would like to emphasize this was a textbook, warm, round, smooth, 
score penalty for no raising margin. The back of the head was. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm I'm just going through this. I'll I'll get to that one point. Just the back of the head was missing, and the regular messy wound. At the point we have a wound of entrance. Baloney. Walk the for a moment. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, let's watch the one we do quote on. Okay, page four, line five. He quoted, uh, we took several x-rays of the skull. True. Uh, I quote, and I agree with him wholeheartedly there. There, in itself, he told the truth. But you only have three x-rays in evidence. There's three x-rays of the skull. Right. Uh, I could go through this complete and go back and forth and back and forth, but all I'd be doing is become repetitious here. And Dr. Ebersol had a tendency to say one thing and turn around in midstream to change his mind and say something else. And he talks about bullet fragments and... Page 4, line 11, says the initial film shows an unusual metallic fragment in the skull, but no evidence of a slug or a bullet. End quote. Unquote. Come on. Now, I would say myself that... Uh, I'm sorry. Back on the record. Back on the record. At all times, Dr. Ebersol stayed within the morgue. Dr. Ebersol examined the film as I brought them back, made interpretations that contradicted many times throughout that evening. I suggested to Dr. Ebersol what film should be taken. In his testimony, he states that there are metal fragments in there, but they are not bullets. Now that is a complete turnaround, if I ever heard of it, because a metal fragment big enough to be seen has to be a portion of a bullet. Common sense would tell you that. Another thing, when Dr. Ebersol looked at these films, he took basic physics like anybody else did, and why couldn't he see displacement of the anterior portion of the skull and realize there had to be force coming from the note? Let me correct that. The posterior portion of the skull and realize there had to be force coming from the anterior portion of the skull. He knew that. Now, he's an educated man. He has to know that. Also, in the statements... He made that uh, he couldn't recollect certain things. How many people were in the morgue at that time? Oh, come on. It was pure mayhem. The gallery was completely full. I'll show you on your exhibit... Uh, 201. 201. From one from the uh, right-hand portion of the gallery to the left-hand portion of the gallery. Loaded. Not 
start considering the people that were milling around on the on the uh, more floor there, going from pillar to post and making different notes and doing this and that and the technicians that were working. Uh, there was definitely more than 15 people in that morgue at that time. The commotion was astronomical. The, the decibel level was extremely high. We had to scream at people at times. And when I'm, I'm taking x-rays, I place the apron on to protect myself. I had to scream for, for these people to move when I was shooting in that direction. And it, it's just, he was so vague on everything that he come up with. Dr. Ebersol. Dr. Ebersol. And he took the x-rays at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's crazy. I moved, I removed the whole x-ray equipment, the x-ray machine, all the films, took them back to the department, and I went to bed. And I was woke up at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning by Captain Braun and Dr. Ebersol commending me on my performance. And I just looked at them and I shook my hand and I said, thank you, rolled back over and went to sleep. And he was so vague on everything that he'd come up with. I went to, like the next morning, he states that he went to, um, he wanted to take the body to the mor or from the morgue to the main department. Come The security was so tight around there, you, if you sneezed, there was somebody there wanting to know what happened. They wouldn't let the body be moved out of there at all. And he felt that the, uh, the quality of the films were not as good because of the portable units. Baloney. It was the film itself, the film type. That technological advancements at that time weren't that great. Don't get me wrong, Bethesda at that time had the top stuff so to speak. The x-ray machinery, the so-called top films, everything. But it was at that time, in 63, it was unheard of. Tomography. What is that? Nasty word. The technological advancements hadn't quite advanced that far. We didn't have CT scans. Do you realize what we could have done if we had CT did this man? You wouldn't have had to question all these, where was this bullet, where was the depth. It would have been right there, mapped out to you. Three-dimensional CT. And he was so vague in everything that he said. Magnification. Page six. From line four to six. So after, as Dr. Ebersol quotes, so after seeing the films at the White House Annex, going back to Bethesda and using a human skull to determine the magnification level, actually there were, there were substantial factor changes. You know, he knows, in the film, but he knows to get no magnification, this is part of his board certification. Everything has to be taken at 72 inches, not 44 inches. And when this was all taken at 44 inches that night, 
which causes magnification. This was supposed to be a radiologist that knew what he was talking about. Uh, I have to disagree with him wholeheartedly. And another thing I couldn't get over, the way he was treated. He was carried around on a silk pillow by his colleague. We don't want to step on your feet. What I'd really like to do is avoid Okay. Comment about that. That's fine. What what you observed and what he commented on and, and whether it's accurate or not. Well, let me go through this real quick. Line 21. Do you have any independent recollection of... Oh, wait a minute. No, let me go back. No, that, make that 20. Dr. Bynum. Now, when you say repeats, were x-rays repeated after the autopsy started? Do you have any recollection? Dr. Ebersol, the second group of x-rays were taken either before the incision was made or very shortly thereafter. Not he sounds pretty confused to me. He's not sure what. And we proved today there were some taken before and there were some taken after. I can't remember what page on what section it's on, but he made the statement. He was questioned to the fact, were there any controlling facets or factors in the gallery that controlled the more the more procedure at that time? No, there were not. Come on. There were two men that constantly stood up, directed which way things would go. That's the general you referred to. The general and the plain clothes. Which, by deduction, I assume that was Kennedy's personal position. Admiral Berkeley. Admiral Berkeley. Page 15. Line 20. He's saying how many sunshot wounds that he looked at during his career, 20 to 25. That doesn't make an expert by any means. We had radiologists there. So, just once again, sure. what, what I'd like to do is avoid commenting on yeah, just okay. what you observed that is incorrect from what you observed not his qualification. Right. I'm stepping over to Bonds again. Pretty much that's it. Uh, I'd be going through constant repetition on this. What I can do is I can leave this 
this one that I went through and made statements on with you, and if you want to bring me graph or not, that's fine. If you don't, we can do that too. I would like to go back to page five if we could. Sure. Which was, there's an issue that you partly mentioned after we looked at the x-rays and that we also discussed while looking at the x-rays. And this, these were the pencil drawings on x-ray number two. Which line is it? You look at page five, right. starting on line 19. All right. Where he says he may have drawn lines on the film. Does that help refresh your recollection or change your mind at all about whether you saw him actually make lines on the film? He did draw lines. Lines during the time of the autopsy. He he did draw lines during the time of the autopsy. And you saw those? I saw those. I think that's all that we have. We'd like to thank you very much. We will be sending to you a copy of the transcript, which you'll be able to review and make corrections on, send back to us, and we will send you a copy of the final transcript as well. So thank you very much for your time and patience. Now we off the record. Now we off the record? Yeah. You win. Thank you for listening to episode 76 of JFK, The Enduring Secret.